All right. Well, hey, good morning, everybody, and thanks for uh, coming out with us this New Year's Day. I told some folks coming in, I've said Happy New Year's more times this morning to all of you than I think I've said every single year that I've ever been alive. But uh, <clears throat> once again, man, Happy New Year to you guys. We're glad that you're here. And um, man, what a <clears throat> kind of, you know, the beauty of a church like Calvary is that we have the great privilege of being a church with lots of different generations. And as was mentioned, I am quickly approaching being here 10 years. And so that means that 10 years ago, I knew the man who was leading, young man leading worship, and the young lady who was partnering with him leading worship. And I knew them 10 years ago. And uh, it's been a privilege for me and for some of you uh, to watch not just them, but um, Children develop through their years here into young adults um, who are serving the Lord faithfully. Ah, so that's an encouragement. And the great thing for some of you whose kids are 8, 9, and 10 years old, man, we would love the privilege of walking with your kids over the next 10 years and watching what God does in their lives and being a support to them as children, support to those of you who are the grandchildren. Um, and it's a blessing that is a unique thing about our church, the legacy, right? The lineage, the roots. And the danger to that is it can become inwardly focused and clickish. And I think in God's grace, he has prevented that from happening. Um, so man, it's encouraging to watch what God's done in the lives of you and all of our families over 10 years, and it's a great opportunity to continue to pour into each other's lives and the lives of our next generation over the next 10 years. Um, and so that's an opportunity that God's put before all of us. So excited to uh, realize that this morning. And a couple of quick things, if you grab a bulletin, there's, there's little calendar in there about what's coming up the next few weeks, what you can expect. Obviously, today is limited programming. The sermon's not going to be as short as Christmas was, but I don't think it's going to be as long because I know we don't have nursery and child care, but all of that kicks off next week. So next week, we're going to have classes for kids. We're going to have nursery programming. We'll have adult programming. There'll be one all-large adult gathering next week where we'll cast what we're doing. We'll have some time of fellowship. We'll tell you about all the upcoming classes, and all that will start in earnest on the 15th of January. So just a couple things in your bulletin. If you want to know when your kid's youth group starts or kid's night out, jump online or click there. Also, something we want to remind you of for 2023 is a way that we do want to help your families, right? We want to do more than just get on stage and say that we're a group of people who are privileged to walk with your families. We want to give you tools and resources. That's the why we do classes. A lot of churches don't do classes for adults, but it's a resource. It's a way we can help equip you and build a body of disciples. So we want to do that. Another tool we have to help you and your family is called Right Now Media. We talked about it in the fall. We talked about some family meetings. It is an online streaming um, kind of Christian Netflix, if you will. So if you want to take small group studies, if you want to hear preaching series from your favorite pastors, uh, right, other than me or anybody else, right, but you want to hear some real pastors preach and teach, uh, you want to press more into a current issue, you want to press more into whatever particular topic you want to go on, there is a ton of video curriculum by Orthodox teachers that you can you can pour into yourself, right? You're never going to grow as a disciple the way Jesus wants if all you do is just come here. You've got to take a little bit of ownership and get your own skin in the game. And so this is a tool for you to do that. It's also a great resource for kids. When we were coming up with our kids, man, there was this thing called Veggie Tales. 
and we would have to go to like a store and buy this thing called a VCR tape. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this, but what, what is, and there was this machine that you put this tape in, and then we'd watch VeggieTales, Veggie, right? So that, who wants to do that? Sell it on eBay. This is streaming, man. So if you got kids, there is a library of age-appropriate, high-quality, uh, you know, cartoon animated discipleship curriculum or just shows for your kids to watch as well. So if you have road trips coming up, whatever, if you want to learn more about that, there's a QR code. Click that in your bulletin. It'll get you a login if you don't have one and answer every single question you ever wanted to know and maybe then some about Right Now Media. Okay, so check out the bulletin for what's coming up in a few weeks, a few opportunities for Right Now Media. Uh, The bumper is teasing what's next week. Next week, we're back in our Maranatha series. We're back in Revelation. Next week, we're going to remember kind of, this is it, man. We're in the meat. So we did the seven churches, but bring your steak knife. Bring your your Montreal steak seasoning, because we are about to get into some trumpets and some bowls and some seals and some dragons and woo! So we're going to get into it, okay? So that starts in earnest next week in the book of Revelation. Uh, so come prepared for that, and we'll get into it. And today is kind of a standalone, just looking ahead to next year. So I'm going to pray, and we will uh, get into it. Let me pray. Uh, Father, I'm so grateful for the privilege that uh, we have as a church body um, to grow together and to be a body that supports each other and encourages each other. And I'm thankful for how you've grown so many of us spiritually over the past uh, decade here at Calvary. I'm thankful for the way that you've worked in the lives of our kids and our students, Father. I'm grateful for all the people who have been here for many years who have been here the past decade and still growing. I'm grateful for all the new families and all the new individuals who you've brought and just what you're doing in your body. You are the one who's in charge of this church, and we're just grateful um, to be connected and engaged in it, Father. And so we pray you'll continue to shape us as we think about what it means to build our body, Father, and to grow as disciples and to make an impact. Um, As we think about these texts and these words for today, Father, uh, will you continue to build upon what we've already done here this morning and just give us a few correctives, a few thoughts, a few perspectives as we enter this new year. We don't know what's coming, but you do, Father. And so may this be useful to us as we step into what you have for us. Uh, we pray this in the name of Jesus, who we want to honor. Amen. Well, as most of you know, today is the first day of a new year. Did you know that? It is January First, right? The first day of a brand new year. And as you and I, in different degrees, look ahead to the next 364 days, we may be on this day one of the next 364 days, and we may be doing some thinking about what's involved in those days. We may be doing some planning about those days. We may be doing some wondering about those days. We may be doing some worrying about what's going to be coming in the next 364 days. We may be doing some deciding about what's coming in the next 364 days, some hoping or some trusting about what's coming down the road for the next 364 days. And as we're kind of at this place, right, step one of a 364-day journey and step we're going on called the year, there is this, there is this great unknown that every single one of us share in common. The great unknown for all of us this day is what is God going to do in the next 364 days? 
right? What does God have in store? What does God have planned? What is God going to do in our story in 2023? Um, I've, I've, I, you know, I go back and forth. Sometimes I'm super digital dude, right? Like, man, I just want an iPad. I don't want a piece of paper near me. You can ask uh, Margaret Lemaire, who leads our missions team. She doesn't know sometimes how to approach me because whenever she gives me paper, I'm like, oh, Margaret, I've gone all digital, right? Then the next time she doesn't give me paper and I'm like, oh, Margaret, I've gone back to paper. The poor lady must be so confused, right? But I, I really am enjoying writing on journals. And in many ways, this day, there is a blank page on the journal of our life for the next 364 days. You and I look at the next 364 days, and what has struck me is it is a blank white piece of paper for you and me. We don't know what's going to be filled in over the next 364 days. It's white, blank, empty to us, but man, God already knows every single thing that's already written in every single day for us for the next 364 days, right? What exciting things has he planned for us? How is he going to work through us, work through you over the next 364 days? What does he have to teach you in the coming days? How might he bless you in the coming days, right? And obviously, if I could answer all of those questions, then um, I wouldn't be driving around six 20-year-old cars, right? I'd have a lot of money. If I could sit here and answer for you, what is God going to teach you, do for you, work for you, bless you, move you, change you, grow you, impact you, leverage you? If I could answer that for you, man, I'd, I'd be sitting on an island in Fiji. I have no idea, and you don't have any idea, what God has in store for you. But what we can know is how we can respond to whatever it is that God has in store for us. We don't know what's in store. And, and I think sometimes we come to this, and I come to it as a pastor, and I always, uh, I think there's this tendency, some, well, you know, pastors can go one of two ways. Either pastors, all they talk about is, you're going to be so blessed this year, it's going to be so amazing this year. Uh, God wants... Yeah, but sometimes pastors go to, oh, it's going to be the hardest year you can ever imagine. It might be, and I think sometimes I kind of drift towards that lane, like, man, there's going to be some hard things coming. There are going to be some hard things coming for some of us, but what we shouldn't also miss is, man, there's going to be some blessings that come from some of us. There's going to be some amazing things that God wants to do in our lives. I can't tell us. You don't know. It's a blank page, everything that's in store, but we can know how we can respond to the things that are in store. We're going to think about that today from two ladies, two different women. One is a teenager, one is a senior citizen. And they were in different stages of their lives, right? Senior citizens and teenagers are different stages of their lives, but they all had the same experience. In both of a year that they walked into, God had something in store for them that they had no idea was coming. It was unexpected. It was unforeseen. It was actually even unimaginable. And what God had in store for this senior citizen and this teenager, it was this rich, rich blessing, this great thing. But along with that blessing, man, there were hard circumstances. There were hard days. There were challenges. And so we're going to think about their story and we're going to see their reactions. And from their reactions, we're just going to pull this morning in our few minutes together three prayer opportunities for 2023. I'm packaging this as three prayer opportunities for 2023, and I'm doing that because I've, some of you have been around church long enough, you know, 
You, you, know, you can have a text sermon on Genesis 1 and a pastor can package it 42 different ways. And I've packaged this as prayer opportunities because the way in which we can respond to the things that God has in store for us will require more than our own discipline. The ways in which we can and should respond to whatever we face this year is going to take more than us just trying hard to do it. We are going to need the Holy Spirit to help us do the very things that we see these ladies do and to respond in that way. And so that's why these are things that you and me, we can be praying about every day as we enter 2023. So we're going to go back to two characters in the Christmas story. We're going to see what they faced and then pull these three prayer opportunities. And over Christmas, uh, man, I just read an amazing Advent series done by a relative, actually, of somebody who comes to Calvary that's a pastor in, I think, Maryland, um, perhaps. Uh, his name is Rich Yeager. It actually was so good that I wrote him a thank you note. And I'm like, bro, like, you don't know me and I don't know you, but every day that I read that Dagum devotional you wrote, it was like the angel Gabriel speaking to me. I didn't quite say that because that would scare him, right? But man, I was impacted. So some of these insights come from some of the things that God taught me through that series. And so some of these insights are not uh, purely original to me. I want to give him credit for kind of priming the pump on some of that and be happy to give you that as a resource for the coming year. So what happened in the year for these two ladies? What happened to the senior citizen? What happened to the teenager? Familiar passages, but here's what we see happened to the senior citizen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 uh, for the day, going back to two characters in the Christmas series. Here's the senior citizen, Elizabeth. Here's what we read um, about her, verses 5 through 7 of chapter 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. No child. Elizabeth was barren. Both advanced in years. But that wasn't the end of the story, because there's verse 13. And in verse 13, it says this, right? An angel shows up to Zechariah, her husband, and says these words, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Senior citizen gets this word, gets this right reality that, man, what I got in store for you is a baby. What about the teenager? What happens to this teenager? A couple verses over in verse 26, again, familiar passage, it says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of the Lord. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, and this is important, some of the things he said, right? And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And then the text continues and says, this, um, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Senior citizen, here's this news. Hey, guess what's coming in this year for you? A baby, a teenager who's not yet married, a middle school student, hears this news. Hey, guess what's coming for you this year? A baby, right? 
the, the, the December 31st previously, if they were in our culture, if they had sat down and written some New Year's resolutions, none of their New Year's resolutions would be, I want to be the best mom ever to the baby I'm going to have, right? It was not on their radar. It was not in their plans. They didn't see it coming. It was an unexpected curveball that God had for them this year and that coming year. But what's interesting is that curveball came in the timing in which none of them would have expected or planned. The curveball, the thing that God had for them that year, came in the timing that neither of them would have expected or planned. For the senior citizen, for Elizabeth, man, what God had in store for her, the timing was so much later than she would have hoped because she wanted that to happen decades ago. For decades She had been waiting for God to do this, and God had made her wait for decades. In Elizabeth's story, in Elizabeth's life, the timing, man, it was late. It was something she'd be waiting for. For Mary, she's on the opposite end of the spectrum, right? For Mary and her story, the timing of what God had planned for this year, it was way too early. She's like, whoa, Like, I'm just like, you know, hanging out here on TikTok and Snapchat. I'm not ready to have no baby, right? I'm not married. For Mary, maybe she had thought about this one day, someday, but she didn't think about it like this day. The timing for both of those women were not in the timing that they would have wanted if they could have been authoring their own story. And the timing in which Mary gave birth, not the best timing, Right? She, it wasn't like she made a reservation at the Bethlehem Birthing Center. I remember um, <clears throat> we lived in Atlanta for a while, and man, they were like birthing center. They were hospital-based, but they were like the Ritz-Carltons of where to go have a baby, right? Everybody wanted to go to these different places. Mary, the timing of her birth, it was horrible timing. It was during tax season. That is not good, right? It was on a road trip. And she gave birth essentially in a cave behind a Hampton Inn, camping out, right? The timing of when it happened wasn't good. For both of these ladies, they had something happen in their lives, but it didn't happen in the timing that they would have planned or they would have wanted. And here's kind of just a big picture thought that I know we all know. One thing that I'm sure many of us will experience this year is that God's timing, man, isn't often our timing. Many times, many years, the timing of something that you'd want to happen and what you actually will experience this year, those two things are not going to be aligned. Because many times, God's timing isn't our timing, but you know what? Our timing isn't the best timing. And God's timing always is the best timing. Sometimes, as this pastor pointed out in that devotional, man, we, we want to go. And God says, oh, just wait. Just wait. We want to go in a relationship. We want to go in a career change. We want to go in some path of our life that we think is the way to go. And God's like, nope, I've got the governor on you. I hate going to those racetracks where you race go-karts. And you're, you're like, man, I just want to go as fast as I can. And just when you start going fast enough to beat your buddy, there's this thing that they've got on the throttle so that you can't go any faster and it slows you down. I hate that thing. I'm always looking around trying to figure out how, right, man, sometimes God puts a governor in our plans and our timing. And we're like, we want to hit the gas and go. And God says, no, wait. And sometimes we want to wait. We are comfortable where we are. We are good where we are. 
Um, and we want to stay where we are. And God says, nope, go, go. And, and, and in all of that, I think within me and maybe within you, we so desire to control the timing of everything. Elizabeth wanted to control the timing. Again, like she said, she wanted that baby decades ago, and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. Didn't happen. Sometimes we want to control the timing where we can't control the timing of what we want to happen when it happens too fast, too slow. We get anxious, we get discouraged, we get frustrated. When Mary faced a curveball in her life that was not according to the timing that she would have set out, and it wasn't what she planned, and it came with some challenges. Man, how did she respond? What can we learn from the way in which Mary responds about the way in which we can respond about the prayer thing that we can pray about, about the response that we should have? Well, to think about that, we got to think about Mary. There was a ton in that moment that she did not know. Think about this middle school girl hearing this news about a change in her year and the timing of that year of something that she never saw coming. There was so much she didn't know as she would have started thinking about that. I mean, she's starting to process you're having a baby, and she's not yet married. She's engaged. She didn't know how her fiancé would respond. She had no idea what people would think about her or what they would say about her. She didn't know or have any idea, how am I going to support this baby? She didn't know whether it was going to change the path and the timing of her marriage plans. There was a ton that she did not know. But at the same time, there were some things that she did know. There were some things that when God told her this news of the curveball in her year that she didn't expect that she did know. We read it. I highlighted it. One thing that she knew from the angel's conversation out of verse 28 is that the Lord was with her. The Lord was with her. Another thing she knew, because I pointed to it on the screen, was that she had found favor with God. A third thing she knew that the angel had told her about several times in the conversation, I read some of it, was that she didn't have to be afraid. She didn't have to be afraid. Lots she didn't know. What was going to change? What were gonna, people going to think? How am I going to financially make it? What do I do? How does this alter my plans? But there were some things she did know. She did know that God was with her. She did know that the favor of the loving God was upon her. And she did know because God was with her and because she had God's favor that no matter what came, she didn't need to be afraid. And then Mary had a choice. Which one of those realities is she going to focus on? Is she going to focus on all of the things that she doesn't know? Or is she going to focus on the things that she does know about who God is and the relationship that he has with her in that moment? Is she going to focus on what she knows or what she doesn't know? I've used the illustration before, but it's like when you're driving with ways, right? I think I shared <clears throat> with you before, my family has two mottos in our lives, okay? Well, we probably have more. Don't judge me as a parent because of the... Uh, triviality of these mottos, but they're actually great life skills. First one is this. We love to go in the city. First motto. I mean, if you ask my kids right now what it is, they would yell out in unison. I'm not going to ask them to do it because then they'll be embarrassed and never talk to me again in my life. But here's the first motto. When we get on the, out of the car, out of the train, first motto is this. When you're in the city, you relax. It's great. Lovely place, but don't look the crazies in the eye, okay? That's the first motto. Don't look the crazies in the eye, Okay. 
It's a good motto, okay? Second motto is this. Wherever you are in your life, when you have your phone and you're driving your car, always trust the ways, okay? Always trust the ways. I have a hard time trusting the ways, okay? Because I'm driving down a highway and it tells me, get off this exit. And I look for like 42 miles down the road. I never can see 42 miles of road, but I'm like, why am I going to get, I'm looking down the road and there's no brake lights. I, look, I, there's nothing, right? Uh, but what I do know is that that Waze is going to tell me to get off, right? And I have a choice in that moment. And I'm going to trust what I can see and I see a clear road. Like, uh, do I focus on that or do I focus on the Waze, right? Even if I don't understand the Waze, even if the Waze doesn't make sense, even if I don't think it's going to be right, I've got to choose which one I'm going to look at, which one am I going to trust. And am I going to trust all these things or am I going to trust this thing? Mary had a choice of what she was going to focus on. Was she going to focus on all of the unknowns or was she going to focus on what she knew? And you and me this year at some point are going to have the same choice that Mary had. At some point, you and I are going to have something happen in our life, whether it's amazing or whether it's very challenging. And we're going to have to decide there is so much that I don't know. There are so many what mights, what coulds, what woulds, but there also are some truths about who God is and what he has promised me. And you're going to have the same choice that Mary has about what you're going to focus on. A phrase that I invented... I'm going to trademark it, right? Uh, a couple months ago, it was this phrase called speculative anxiety. Man, I should, I should go and be a counselor. Speculative anxiety. It's interesting, if you look in the Bible through the Old Testament, that concept comes up, and it comes up in my story, and it comes up in your story, and it's this idea of when we face unknowns, when we don't know what the future holds, when we don't know how it's all going to work out, sometimes what ends up happening is we start speculating about what might happen. We start speculating about what could happen. And then we become all anxious, freaked out about all the things that we've speculated could, maybe would. They may not even happen, right? We have a choice. Mary had a choice. Are we going to focus on all the things we don't know? All the what mights, what coulds, what woulds, or are we going to focus on what we do know? What did Mary choose to focus on? What did she choose to trust? Verse 38, we see the response to that. We see her answer of chapter um, Luke 1, and she says this. Behold, <clears throat> Mary's processing this, right, in real time, and she says, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. What Mary's saying is, you know what, God? You've told me a few things. You've told me about this baby in a timing that I didn't expect, but you also told me that I have favor, that you're with me, that I shouldn't fear. And I am going to step into this reality by looking at and depending upon and clinging to the things that you have told me, your word. That is what I'm going to look to. That is what I'm going to trust. That is what I am going to focus upon. Here's the first prayer opportunity for you and me this year, right? And I phrased it as a prayer. But here it is. God, help me to focus on the things about you that I do know. 
instead of worrying about all that is unknown. If I had to rephrase this, I would say, God, help me to focus on the things about you that I do know instead of worrying about all that I don't know. Mary had to choose. And she chose, God, I'm going to focus on your word. I'm going to focus on the truth that you've told me. I'm going to focus on what you've said about this relationship that I have with you, your presence with me, your, your assurance that I shouldn't be afraid. God, I, let it be to me according to your word. Your word is what I'm focusing on, and I will not focus on all the things that I don't know. And for you and me this year, this could be an amazing prayer, first prayer for us. God, help us to focus on the things about you that we do know instead of worrying about all the things that we don't know. And then in Mary's response, we see this second kind of approach or perspective to this curveball in her life, to this thing that's in the timing that she didn't expect. And it's in this song that she writes in verse 46, where as she's processing this a few days later, as she's journaling, as she's praying through it, she writes this hymn, this song, this poem. And the first phrase of it begins with this, uh, verse 46. And Mary said, it's a prayer, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. A teenager who faced something in her year that was not part of her New Year's resolution, that was a curveball, that was unexpected, right? That was a blessing, but that, that wasn't in the timing she ever thought of. As she approached that, she said, first thing, God, I'm going to focus on what I do know about you instead of everything about this circumstance I don't know. And second thing, God, as I enter into this, man, I want my perspective, I want my attitude to be, I want to magnify you. I want to magnify you. The idea of magnifying, it, it kind of is what we might think of, right? It's the idea of make bigger. Make bigger. It's this idea of lifting something up so that it is as big as it really is, right? This, this focus of I want to focus on how big and wonderful something is, and I want to do everything I can to make sure everybody realizes how big and wonderful. I want to magnify it. What if... For you and me, our prayer in 2023 is to have the same response that Mary had. What if our prayer was, as we went through our lives, man, what we wanted to do was to be people who expanded and enlarged our view of God and made that bigger view known to other people. That we wanted to magnify God. Magnify God. Second prayer for 2023 is, God, help me to magnify you. Help me to magnify you. A few years into being a lawyer down in Jacksonville, Florida, at the amazing law firm of Rogers Towers, Bailey, Jones, and Gay, um, like I always like to say, yeah, you know what? I hadn't offended any clients. I hadn't committed any malpractice. So in a law firm, at least back however many years that was, there was something called letterhead order. Have you ever heard of letterhead order? Do you know what letterhead order? It means when you start that firm, there's like this list of 85 names above you, and there you are at the very bottom, Peter A. Smith, right? Ain't nobody below you. Do you know what that means in a law firm? It means you ain't got nothing. Like if you want a piece of paper, maybe you should go find one that somebody put in the trash can because you don't get to choose your office. You don't get to choose your assistant. You don't get to choose anything, right? But then one day, guess what happened? We hired somebody else. And there was another name underneath me. And I was moving up the letterhead order, right? And then we hired more people, and I was there more. And eventually, I mean, I was cranking up that letterhead order. Now, 
the best thing about letterhead order. Do you know what the best thing about letterhead order at the law firm of Rogers Towers, Jones, Bailey, Bailey Jones and Gates, which was, this is an important part, situated in a big building on the St. John's River in downtown Jacksonville. The best thing about letterhead orders is you moved up and you got to start to choose which office you wanted. So I started there and I was like in an office way back. But then as I moved up, man, when I wrote that resignation letter saying that I was going to seminary at that point in my career, I had this um, this great, oh, this great, I had this great office, right? I don't know, 20 stories up, looking out over the river, and I picked the office so that I could look over the part of the city that I lived in, which was near the Naval Air Station. So I would sit at my desk, and the river, this beautiful navigable river, would be down below me, and then I'd look at the Naval Air Station, I'd see Navy fighter pilots taking off, and the best thing, dude, is the Navy helicopters every day would run this course where they would buzz through downtown. So literally almost eye level at about 2.30 in the afternoon, these Navy choppers would come through. Oh, it was good. But I thought, to, I promise this is going somewhere. I don't really know where, but we'll figure it out in a little bit, okay? And I figured to myself, man, this office is great, but I know how it could get even better. I, I want to be able to see what's going on everywhere. So you know what? One Christmas, I think it was, or my birthday, uh, man, I got as a gift a telescope, that made me really happy in my letterhead order in my office because now when there was excitement on the Main Street Bridge downtown and cop cars were going there, uh, you know what I'd do? I'd be like, oh my gosh, something exciting's happening on the bridge. I'd get on my telescope and I'd look at it, right? When the Navy pilots were flying through and I started to see the choppers come, I'm like, dude, I'm going to look in the cockpit and see who it is. So I would get on my telescope and I'd look, right? When jets were, when I saw a nice boat go by, that telescope, man, I'd be looking at it from my office and I could see things that were further away and they would appear bigger, right? A telescope, in, a, in, in the same way that a microscope does, right? It takes something and it makes it bigger. It magnifies it. When I was a kid, I had a microscope. I loved to go down to this little pond by my house and get me a little piece of pond water and a little eyedropper and put on a slide because people claimed you could see all sorts of like, I don't know, paramecium? Or is that in your body? Whatever. They claimed if you look. And so you would take this little drop of water and you would put this microscope on it and it would make this drop of water bigger, right? Telescopes. I could see that little Navy chopper dude and he was big. Microscope. You could see the little whatever, plankton, and it would be big. But you know what? Here's the deal. Microscopes and telescopes make something bigger, but it only makes bigger what you're focusing on. It only makes bigger what you're focusing on. And for you and for me, the thing that we will magnify in 2023 is the thing upon which we set our focus. If you set your focus on all the things you can't control, if you set your focus on all your problems, if you set your focus on that, guess what? You're going to magnify that. But if we choose to be people that through the power and the help of the Holy Spirit set our focus on God and His excellence and His power, and his love and his care and the fact that he thinks of us the way that the best father possibly thinks of his child, if that's what we set our focus on, that's what we're going to magnify. A great prayer for us is in 2023 is, God, will you help me magnify you? But in order to magnify God, we have to choose to set our focus on God. Who he is. What he's like. Not just ideas about God, but God himself. 
And then the last thing we see as we move into the year, year ahead is this. What was true for, well, was true for both of the babies, but it's specifically mentioned for one of the children. What was true for one of the babies is true for us as we look in this year. So what was true for one of these babies that was true about us? Well, let's look at what was said about Elizabeth's baby. Um, verse 66, uh, this is what was said about um, Elizabeth's baby, right? And those who heard about it, right? They heard about this deal where the baby was born and dad couldn't talk and then dad could talk and they're like, whoa, there is all this, 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 this supernatural stuff going around with this kid, right? And so all these neighbors, all these relatives would say this thing about him. They said, they, all who heard them, verse 66 of chapter 1, laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be for? For the hand of the Lord was with him. The hand of the Lord was with him. What they realized about this baby, right, this truth that's not just limited to that baby, is that the hand of the Lord was with him. Fifty-five times, according to the notes from that devotional, the hand of the Lord is mentioned in the Bible. Fifty-five times that phrase is used. And when it's used... It refers to one of two things. It refers to either a dependence on God's hand to be at work, or it is a recognition that God's hand is at work. When somebody talks about the hand of the Lord being with them, what they're either doing is saying, man, I am depending that God's hand is at work in my life, or what that phrase is being used to do is to recognize, to affirm that God's hand is at work. And that's not just limited to that child because here's the reality for us this year, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, and even if we're not, the sovereign hand of God is at work. And for those of us who are believers in Jesus, God's hand this year in 2023 on this first day and for the next 364 days is with you, is with you. Look at what it says in the Psalms about this. We've got several Psalms we'll read. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Next one says this. <clears throat> Though I walk in the midst of the trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. And then I love this next one. This isn't about a person who's trying to get away from God. This is about a person who realizes no matter what they face, no matter where life takes them, they're never in that moment alone. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me up. Here's what the psalmist is saying. If the pattern of my life and your sovereignty, if I go there or I go there, when this happens or this happens, if I'm in a place I never wanted to be or my place I definitely want to be, when I'm in a great place or a bad place, when I think I know it all, when I know nothing, no matter what, what I face, what he realizes is that the sovereign hand of God is with him. That he is in a place where he needs to depend upon the working of God in his life. And he needs to recognize that even in that place, God is working with him.
I'm going to call the worship team up here as we wind down. Here's the third prayer for this year is this, God, help me to sense and know that your hand is with me. Help me to sense and to know that your hand is with me. And let me just tell you this, because some of you will need to know this, and maybe some of you need to know this now. Even if you don't sense it, even if you don't feel it, God's hand is still with you. Because the, what determines whether God's hand is with you in whatever you face this year is not whether you feel it. Right? God's not up there like, well, should I be leading their lives? Should I be engaged in their lives? Should I be caring in their lives? Should I be orchestrating their lives? Should I be encouraging them? Should I be work? Let me see whether they feel like I am. And if they feel like my hand is with them, yeah, then I'll go be with them, right? Your feelings, my feelings don't determine whether this is true. This is true regardless of whether you feel it. This is true even when you don't feel it. No matter what you face in this blank page of the next 364 days, that you don't know what it looks like. But God knows completely what it looks like. You're never going to face it alone. Because he is with you. And we have a choice in the good and the bad. Man, let's have a choice about what are we going to focus on, what we don't know or what we do know. And the first prayer is to help us to focus on what God has told us and what's known about him instead of worrying about all that is unknown and what we don't know. And the second thing is what are we going to magnify? Are we going to be people who magnify our own self-efforts are we going to be people who magnify all the things we can't control? Are we going to turn our gaze upon God and look at him and magnify him? And the third thing, are we going to be people who wake up every morning saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I will know that the hand of the Lord is upon me today, this day, regardless of whether I feel it or not. One of the prayers, one of the challenges, one of the examples of Mary is this opportunity to magnify the Lord, right? To lift him up, to exalt him. And together as a church, I'll invite you to stand and we'll sing this last song and do that together on this first day of 2023.